According to a poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation, healthcare was the most important issue for voters in the midterm elections over matters like the economy and gun policy. As such, it makes sense that politicians would make it a major part of their platforms. Healthcare is a top issue for legislators. As usual, we're one of many stakeholders. A lot of people make a lot of money off of healthcare. We're only part of the pie, and the pie is shrinking, and so there's a lot of competition. That's Cynthia Brown, AMA Vice President of Government Affairs at the 2019 AMA Annual Meeting in Chicago. On this episode of Moving Medicine, the first of two parts about physician advocacy, Ms. Brown reviews some of the most pressing healthcare issues facing America today, including the Affordable Care Act, drug pricing, prior authorization reform, and more. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. Here's Cynthia Brown. My name is Cindy Brown. I'm the Vice President of Government Affairs in the AMA's Washington office, and we're here to talk about federal advocacy for physicians. It's important to keep in mind as you start thinking about what Congress is interested in, what the agenda is, and so forth. Uh, midterm elections, it made clear that health care was a major issue um, for the electorate. Uh, major issues are here, cost, access to care, what to do about the ACA, whether you fix it or abandon it and also Medicare. And when people asked to name the most important issues in the election, healthcare got the most mentions by far, well over the economy. And when they said, what is the most important? Again, 30% said healthcare was the most important issue to them. Members of Congress noticed that and they realized they have to have a healthcare agenda. If you look again across partisan lines, you see the same thing. Some differences in what thing about healthcare they care about. Um, you can see independents and Republicans, the dark blue there, care mostly about costs. Democrats, it was access. Uh, independents, access was still pretty high. If you look at what to do with the ACA, some people wanted to fix it, some people wanted to kill it, but those are really lower priorities. There's a lot of a ACA fatigue out there. In terms of other things about the congressional dynamics, you have to realize that we're already in the election season for the 2020 election, and it's affecting things. You have a large portion of the Senate running for president, including some in the House. Other thing to keep in mind is there's been a lot of turnover in Congress as some of the major legislation passed. For example, 66% um, of the representatives were elected since the ACA passed. So they were not involved in the process. They don't know how to evolve the way it is. They're not familiar with a lot of the preliminary work that had gone on well before the ACA passed, well before uh, President Obama was elected. Um, there were a lot of stakeholder meetings and a lot of input people gave and you know that sort of thing. None of that, they, they, they don't know anything about that and they don't really know about the dynamics of how the law was constructed and why. And the same is really true for MACRA. 33% of Congress wasn't there when MACRA passed, which is the current physician payment system. So as we go there to explain some ways we'd like to fix MACRA, there's a lot of people and a lot of their staff who really aren't sure what we're talking about or why the law was crafted, which things were there for policy reasons, which things were there to control spending, uh, which things were just to make it cheaper so it would pass. They, so we have to really kind of start from the beginning. Um, and the same dynamics hold true in the Senate where 58% of senators weren't there for the ACA. They were just elected hating the ACA. 
but they were not involved in the whole debate surrounding it. Um, the other thing you have to look at is we're in, in a very um, challenging budget situation. Um, the, the you recall that we had the tax reform bill last year, and that was done completely off budget. It added a fortune to the debt. We're not doing that now. The House reinstated the PAYGO rules. If you want to have something pass, you have to find a financial offset for it. That affects a lot of what you want to do. If you want to have a major public health initiative that's going to cost money, you have to identify something else. If you want to fix uh, a flaw in the payment system, you're going to have to get, deal with a cut someplace else. So that changes our dynamics quite a bit. But keep in mind, at some point, they're going to have to deal with that trillion-dollar deficit. They're going to look for savings. And recall, a lot of people are looking at health care costs in that election. That was an important issue for them. It feeds into this problem. We also have some other dynamics, big must-pass legislation that are always politically difficult. Um, we hit the debt ceiling again on March 1st. They're going to do their extraordinary measures that nobody really understands, but they do it. But come this fall, they're going to have to come to grips with that. They also had this deal to avoid these caps they have on appropriations, spending caps. That deal expires at the end of the fiscal year, September 30th. So they're going to have to come up with money to either extend that and exempt Department of Defense and so forth for cuts or not. Um, and then, of course, we deal with the Medicare trust fund going insolvent. Uh, one thing that dynamic we had in the past was that the sustainable growth rate system, which was calling for cuts in physician payments, kind of protected us a little bit. They couldn't cut us because if they gave us a 1% pay cut, they'd have to bring us up 19% to do it. And it costs money. So they could not cut physician payments, at least not in an upfront kind of way, maybe with performance reporting and all that kind of thing. But, you know, we had that shield before. We don't really have that now. And so, you know, before when they were looking for Medicare savings, they were focusing on hospitals and so forth. That, that's, that's not there anymore. We don't have any threats right now, but just know that is a difference in the dynamic. In terms of the congressional agenda, there are some things, despite sort of the dysfunction we're all familiar with in Washington, there are areas where we may be able to get somewhere. Drug pricing, uh, something is probably going to happen on that. Whether it's a big, bold thing during an election year where pharma money looks pretty important is hard to say, but there will be some, pharma is going to be on the table, and there is something that's going to happen to address drug pricing. Prior authorization reform, uh, you know, trying to streamline that process, take away the administrative burden, is something that's of great interest. We just had a bill introduced this week on that. Uh, the opioid epidemic is still top of mind. No member of Congress goes to a town hall without hearing about someone affected by the crisis or reading the paper and so forth. So that is still something where we might get more resources and more attention. And now there's a, a lot of interest in um, looking at research on the medicinal uses of marijuana. Um, with all the legalization, some people have bills to legalize recreational use and so forth, but there is legislation now to seriously look at, if, if we're going to call this a medicine, we have to know something like how it works, how much, for what, um, and so forth, and we don't know. And part of the problem is that researchers don't have access to research-grade marijuana to work on because it's a Schedule One drug. You've got this problem where you've got the DEA people on one side and FDA on the other. FDA is more about medicine. DEA is more about control and law enforcement. And DEA has it as a Schedule One drug, which means you can't do anything with it. So that is something that we're looking at. 
Uh, some challenges we're facing, uh, recall healthcare pricing being an important issue, the issue of surprise billing. They are looking at ways to try and insulate patients from the situation where they go to an in-network hospital, maybe an in-network physician as well, but they still get a surprise bill from someone out of network when they had no choice of who that was. And you think about the hospital-based physicians, that's clearly an issue where, you know, nobody picks their pathologist. Um, and then you've got problems with on-call physicians in emergency rooms too, who may come in. They're a small specialty. They take call at all kinds of hospitals. They come in, they build, the patient had no idea and couldn't, couldn't select them. Gun violence. Um, there is some hope we may get some research money finally in this. Uh, we did have legislation pass the House, but um, that is still something that is going to be kind of a battle. Uh, immigration reform. Um, that's something that has been on the agenda for a while, and that's something that the AMA cares quite a bit about. But again, it's a challenge for us. Medicare payment, we want some improvements in the Medicare payment system. That's a challenge given that budget situation. And then what to do about covering the uninsured with the ACA dynamics. In terms of the administration, um, a lot of what we've seen up till now has been more about disruption rather than like making things work better. Um, doing things differently. I mean, that's sort of an attitude going in there. It's getting, there are some improvements, and they do seem really interested in trying to cut back on regulatory red tape, patients over paperwork initiative at CMS and so forth. But um, there, there are a lot of disruptive things that are going on there. Um, there is, does seem to be a tendency in healthcare to look to the private sector for solutions, which on one hand seems pretty good, um, but now you're looking at insurance company practices like prior authorization, step therapy. Those things are starting to creep a little bit into the Medicare program. So um, that, that's an issue of concern. And they're also not afraid to set prices. We've seen it in other sectors, and we could see that again as we look to deal with the balance billing, the surprise billing uh, issue. You know, they could go that direction. So again, it's something to be concerned about. In terms of the administration's agenda, we are working very closely with them on MACRA and improving the quality payment program. I think we're getting some progress there, um, and we're working really well. Same with regulatory relief. I think it's a long slog for that, but they're making a lot of changes, and um, I think we'll see some good things there. Opioids and pain treatment, um, the um, sort of conversation has changed quite a bit on that. It's more in line with what medicine has been saying. And they've had some good reports on, you know, they have a pain task force who came out against, you know, strict pill limits and things like that. So we're in good shape. And then tobacco is another issue, another opportunity for us. Um, challenges, a uh, lot of equity issues are a challenge for us, particularly given our, our um, policy. Uh, there's a non-discrimination proposed rule out now uh, dealing with Section 1557 of the ACA that would restrict access to care for certain populations. Uh, the conscience regulations, which allow pretty much anybody who touches healthcare in any way, including receptionists, janitors, and so forth, to refuse to participate in procedures that they have a moral objection to. Title 10 and that whole mess, the AMA uh, led a lawsuit on that, but closing down clinics that have any sort of affiliation with abortion or providing funding for uh, contraceptive or family planning services to entities that don't believe in contraception. Federal grants are going to that. Uh, the public charge, uh, that's an immigration issue. 
Uh, Medicaid, they're talking again about maybe doing some uh, block grants there. Uh, they're also looking at revising the way the federal poverty level inflation factor is done, which is going to kick people above the federal poverty level without giving them any more money, which will affect their eligibility for programs. And then, of course, trying to deal with ACA and the health insurance marketplace, where there's been a lot of actions that have really undermined the effectiveness of the program. So just takeaways in terms of your role as physicians in advocacy. Healthcare is a top issue for legislators. As usual, we're one of many stakeholders. A lot of people make a lot of money off of healthcare. We're only part of the pie. And the pie is shrinking. And so there's a lot of competition. Um, also, as you look at the changes in Congress over the years, keep in mind that there's an awful lot of them who haven't heard your story. They weren't here for the SGR wars. They weren't here to hear things about how um, you know, the gap in pay that's gone on in, in updates and so forth for hospitals versus physicians and so forth. They don't know those dynamics. And so your advocacy and participation in the process really does matter. That was Cynthia Brown on the most important healthcare issues in the U.S. today. To get exclusive AMA advocacy news and information impacting physicians, patients, and the healthcare environment, Subscribe to the AMA Advocacy Update Newsletter at ama-assn.org slash advocacy-update. You can also subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.